0: Hello everyone, I'm Dalton Burdett. I'm Ryan Warner. And we are the Movie Nights. Well, some of them. If you're watching this, it's because you want to hear our uncensored and unfiltered thoughts and opinions about the world of movies. So kick back, grab a snack, and thank you for being a part of the conversation. We're back, Ryan. Mm-hmm. Doing the whole thing with the new show, uploading the clips as they go by, which they've been doing pretty well. So thank you for checking out our Young Frankenstein classic movie review and our franchise spotlight Back to the Future. We've got a lot of that and a lot more planned for today's show. So, uh, Ryan? What uh, just how how are you? bud? it's been a week,
1: dude. I'm good. It's it's nice seeing uh, the videos get some love and attention. You know, because it feels like we we've been working hard for a while. So it's nice to see a little bit of uh, appreciation that way. So we do appreciate you guys, because uh, this is a lot of fun. Love talking movies. Love watching movies. Love hearing about movies. Um, so with that being said, Dalton, are you ready to jump into some news headlines that we may have?
0: Yes, yes, I am. And this part of the show is when we break down movie and television news and just tell you what's going on in the world of entertainment. So, Ryan, mm-hmm. this article I'm about to read comes to us from The Wrap. The Wrap. And that is, Netflix's Stranger Things mm-hmm. is being sued for copyright infringement, which this is not a brand new thing that happens with them. It's happened before in the past. And uh, also, it, I think it might be even be the same guy who's doing it. The only reason I'm bringing up the story, though, is not because of the actual lawsuit. Is because something much funnier that's going on, and that is what Netflix
1: said in response to the lawsuit. This is literally okay. the only reason why I'm bringing this up. Is this, this is, a newer
0: lawsuit that's happening? Yes, it's a brand new lawsuit.
1: It feels like that they've been getting in trouble ever since they first aired. Yeah, yeah.
0: but it keeps getting, you know, settled or proven, not, you know, mm-hmm. what's going on. But uh, this is what a um, a representative for Netflix told The rap, in quotes. Mm-hmm. Mr. Kennedy has been puddling these far fetched conspiracy theories for years, even though Netflix has reportedly explained to him that the Duffer Brothers had never heard of him or his stupid unpublished script until he began threatening <laughs> to sue them. After we refused to give in to the demands for a payoff, he filed this baseless lawsuit. There was no shortage of people who would like to claim credit for creating Stranger Things, but the truth is the show was independently conceived by the Duffer Brothers and the result of their creativity in hard work. I did add the stupid adjective but he did say, even though Netflix has repeatedly explained to him that the Duffer Brothers had never heard of him or his unpublished script. Yeah. So, uh, savage words coming from the representative from Netflix.
1: I mean, it sounds like uh, Stupid was in there originally, but his PR person was like, you can't do that.
0: Yeah, no, it's just, you know, I, if I was you know working for Netflix and one of my biggest shows of all time was constantly being sued For, you know, like, you stole my idea. Of course, I'd be a little fed up. And I would say something worse. I thought that was actually pretty tame for what's actually going
1: on. Oh, absolutely. And they have to be fed up. Like, think about it. Ever since Stranger Things ever got aired, like, Mm -hmm. this guy has been going after them. So, of course, you're going to get fed up, especially since it's been settled before and it's come back that, like, you know, this is the Duffer Brothers idea and this is their creation. So, I could just imagine how... Annoyed Netflix is
0: Yeah no it's got to be Super duper annoying for them And uh, I just thought That was really funny And that's why Yeah that's That's a hilarious comment On today's show But moving on to our next story This one comes to us From Deadline And I'm actually Really really excited About this It is being reported That um, Netflix Is making Speaking of Netflix (laughs) Yeah great segue (laughs) Is making its biggest budget movie So far Mm -hmm. This film Is called The Gray Man And it stars Ryan Gosling And Chris Evans Hmm And, uh, Joe and Anthony Russo of Infinity War and Endgame fame are going to be directing the film and their production company of Agbo. I'm, I'm, I know they're producing it. I'm pretty sure they're directing it.
1: It seems like they're taking a step back from directing for a while. Yes. No, it does say they they are directing. Okay. Yeah, they've been producing a lot of stuff lately. I, I guess just mm-hmm. that end game money that they just want to throw to other oh. people to make films.
0: Dude, listen. If I directed Avengers Infinity War and Endgame back-to-back, I would take five Civil years. War. Yeah. Oh, and Civil War. I know, I know. I would take five years
1: off. Like, Just I, throw money at everyone. Hey, make this movie. Yeah. yeah. Do, do what like, you want. Like,
0: I'm going to go to the Bahamas and just do nothing. Yeah. Like, that's exactly what I would do. So not blame blaming it all, but I'm really excited about this news, mm-hmm. not only because it's going to be their first film kind of stepping behind the camera since the Marvel films, yeah. but also Ryan Gosling... Is one of my favorite actors. I think he's one of the best actors working today. And not only that, but you know, you have Chris Evans, who's worked with the Russo brothers a number of times. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm just really looking forward to this and just seeing their dynamic on screen. I know it's going to be like like a spy espionage type of movie, mm-hmm. and I'm really looking forward to it. So you know, what are your thoughts on you know getting an actor like Ryan Gosling to hop on board and do a Netflix project like this?
1: I mean. I just echo everything you said. I love Ryan Gosling and pretty much everything he's in. I think he's very underrated. I I mean, he gets a lot of love, don't get me wrong, but I don't think he's in as many conversations as he should be. Um, but it was uh, Chris Evans, you said, and Chris Evans Ryan, and Ryan okay, Gosling. I'll, there's no information released on the plot, right? Just the title, director... And. Yeah. Okay.
0: Well, the only thing we know is like it's going to be like a mono-y mono type movie of like Ryan Gosling versus Chris Evans. Okay. And like trying to go after the same thing is sort of, sort of what we know about it. Okay.
1: That'll be interesting to watch because mm-hmm. I don't think we've seen them in a movie together, at least not to my knowledge no, off I don't the think top so. of my head. Yeah. Uh, and those are two fantastic actors, I think. Um, and it will be nice to see what the Russo brothers have in store um, coming off of Marvel fame and uh, having that Marvel money to do it pretty much whatever they want. I that, That'll that get you some creative freedom if you make the biggest movie of all time. Yes, absolutely. So. And that, that makes sense as to why Netflix is just going to give them whatever budget they want. Yeah. And yeah. you know the Russo brothers are going to put that budget to good use. Oh, yeah. Oh, whether yeah. it's great CG, whether it's great locations a bigger cast i mean you mm-hmm. never know because yeah. naturally after making those huge movies who knows who wants to work with them you know maybe they're going to get some huge talent just add to it. And it's going to be a star-studded cast you know um but good for netflix for you know dumping them a bunch of money because they definitely uh picked up irishmen and yeah no other studio yeah. wanted that so exactly. they're willing to throw out money yeah.
0: yeah they they want talent they want to keep showing that they mean the real deal yeah. so they're going to keep doing it I think that ice cream truck finally drove away. Yeah. Sorry if you guys could hear that. I just wanted to truck through it because I hate stopping the show for little dumb things like that. Yeah. But uh, moving on to our next story. This one comes to us from Deadline. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is just something that I thought was rather interesting because um, for any of you who know us and know just you know the things that we do, uh, we make, we're independent filmmakers. We haven't made a feature yet, but we make tons of short films. We were supposed to make a film back in April, but then it got pushed back because of COVID, and now we plan on shooting it in September. However, and we gave our exclusive details on that film in episode 15 of the Great Movie Radio Show, one of our great partners. So give that a listen, please.
1: Wow, great plug, dude! You're just on dude, top of your game I, right I'm now. I'm trying, dude. I'm trying. I'm trying. Holy shit, dude! I'm but, impressed.
0: Uh, but anyway, I'm just speaking of you know shooting in this weird time. Yeah. Uh, apparently, Warner Brothers, because you know production on the Batman and a couple other of their movies are starting to gear up back in production again. Yeah. Um, Warner Brothers has set up an anonymous system for reporting coronavirus malpractice during shoots. So basically, obviously now in all the movie shoots, adjusting to the world that we're living in, mm-hmm. there's going to be times where, you know, you're shooting and you need require masks, temperature checks. I don't know the specifics of what's going on, but obviously that's a lot, it's a lot of strict things to handle. Mm-hmm. And movie sets are very time sensitive. You have to work and you have to move on movie sets or else you're going to be wasting money. Yeah. And so I think that Warner Brothers anticipates some filmmakers trying to slide those new coronavirus rules, Mm -hmm. and and for the sake of time. But I'm glad that they've now set up a hotline to people saying, hey, if you see this happen on set, you can anonymously report it. We'll send someone out to investigate and make sure that everything's being done correctly. Mm -hmm. I I think this is a great move on Warner Brothers' part. I wouldn't be surprised if more studios follow suit and follow through and do this as well. Uh, What are your thoughts on this idea of having this anonymous reporting base for, you know, not following the coronavirus cleaning details. Oh, I
1: think it's fantastic, you know, because Warner Brothers is ultimately going to set up whatever rules they want. Like, each day you get your temperature check, whether it's, like, every hour to make sure you're um, not showing any symptoms or running a fever. Uh, I think it's great that they are implementing this, and I hope that other studios echo this and do this as well, because ultimately you want your employees to be safe, and in this case you want actors, behind the scenes, uh, crew, you want everyone to be safe, and not only doing temperature checks to show that you're being active in it, but also setting up the anonymous hotline, I think will ensure that everyone is being safe um, because no one wants to be investigated for doing anything wrong. So just don't do anything wrong in the first place. And I think having this security blanket will definitely help the movie business take this COVID um, situation very seriously that way they are abiding by the Warner Brothers rules if they are shooting for Warner Brothers or if another studio echoes this and takes this, that way they can follow their practices and make sure that they're abiding by their rules. So I think it's a great system that they set up and Mm -hmm. honestly, I'm totally for it.
0: I think so too. And I also think just announcing that the system exists will prevent preemptive people being like maybe we can get away with it and then they hear that they have this like oh maybe we shouldn't even mess with it Mm -hmm. so i think it's good to not only get out on top of what they potentially see happening but also i like that they're taking an inward realistic look of like we think people might try to take advantage of the situation they're being very proactive with it which
1: is fantastic because that's honestly the last thing you want to hear is like oh you know 13 people caught covid on a warner brothers shoot and then they put this in it's like Mm -hmm they're getting ahead of the game which is yeah. fantastic in my eyes yeah yeah
0: and so i'm glad they're doing this i would like i said i wouldn't be surprised if more studios you see us, this coming out yeah. doing that but i just thought that would be a cool thing to bring up because it's you know something unheard of we've seen in the movie business before yeah. so i figured that would be it and uh, on our last story before we move on to our next section of the show uh chris Renolan's nolan's Tenet <sighs> has unfortunately been indefinitely delayed it's been taken off of the warner brothers release calendar
1: delayed Boom.
0: You know, I didn't want to have to fire you on camera. <laughs> <laughs> Tentatively delayed. I hate you. That was good. I'm sorry. Win, lose, or draw. Always when go for lose, it. Win, lose, or draw. Always <laughs> go for it. No, but uh, tenant has been delayed indefinitely. It's mm-hmm. taken off the release calendar, which breaks my heart in half, not only because I want my job back <laughs> at the movie theater, yeah. but also just this means that new movies in theatrical releases isn't coming anytime soon. And we, the news just keeps getting worse and worse with that. So it, it really is just a heartbreaker. You know, luckily I live in a city where an experimental movie theater has opened up and they're playing a bunch of classics. You know, I've gotten to see tons of classic movies on the big screen. I just saw Raiders this past weekend, Raiders of the Lost Ark. And, you know, I it really hurts me because I, I cherish the theatrical movie going experience more than I cherish probably personal people in my life. Mm-hmm. And it just, it, it, it breaks me. It really hurts me. And not just that, but it's a new Christopher Nolan movie, so I want to see it really bad. Yeah. But I'm happy that they're committed to the theatrical exposition for this film. You know, they want people to come back to the movie theaters. They want their movie to do it. So I get that why they're putting it off. But you know, and you know, you want to keep people safe. But it just looks really bad for movie theaters right now. It looks really, really bad. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on not only *Tenet* being delayed, but as to what this could potentially mean for movie theaters in America going forward.
1: Yeah, I mean it. It sucks to see like any movie get pushed back, especially if it's a movie you've been looking forward towards for a while. And both of us are huge Christopher Nolan fans, uh, so like you, it breaks my heart as well. Uh, but it is for the safety of everyone, and unfortunately, with you know everything going on and things looking like it's only getting worse, it who knows when theaters are going to open back up. But like you said, it's glad. Uh, we're glad to see an uh, experimental theater open up and you've seen several movies there and you said you felt safe there. Like I you did. felt like that they've yeah. they been doing everything that they can to make sure that everything's clean and sanitary and, you know, enforcing rules when they need to. So I think that's a huge step in the right direction. Um, but ultimately we still do have a long way to go. Um, but we'll see when that happens. Cause mm-hmm. it just keeps getting pushed back and just worse and worse nudes keep happening, you know? So it's, it's very unfortunate in the world of movies, but in the bigger world, like reality, like it's, it sucks seeing things get worse. And, um, but hopefully we can pull through this and we can see theaters open back up and we can go watch a movie in theaters like we used to. God, it feels like forever ago that we like watched a movie every weekend. Mm -hmm.
0: I know. It sucks. And you know, I used to go to the movies like three times a week, sometimes more. And mm-hmm. it's just my, like a part of my life is just missing. Yeah. And, like, and we know that the, obviously there's more bigger problems with COVID. Like people are dying. But just, you know, in, in our bubble, in our show, and our little world, you know, not being able to go to the movies has really been, you know, tough. Mm-hmm. And uh, But hopefully this happens sooner rather than later. But I honestly wouldn't be shocked if 2021 is when movies come back. I wouldn't be shocked if that's eventually what we have to resort to. I don't want that. Mm-hmm. But... At the same time, who knows what studios and theaters are planning right now? Yeah. So we'll have to wait and see. But All I
1: know is the Oscars for the next few years are going to be really strange.
0: Bloodshot might get, or yeah, Bloodshot might get a Best Picture nomination.
1: <laughs> you know who might win though? Invisible Man. Yeah, because you know so far that's the best fucking oh, movie of this year. I
0: agree, and you know who might get a. Uh... A uh, best actor nomination, Ben Affleck for
1: *The Way Back*. Oh my God! Yeah, <laughs> that
0: would that would make me so happy.
1: <laughs> but just think about it. Like, think about the ramifications of pushing back all these release dates, right? Mm-hmm. So, so far, theaters have only been open for January, February, not even March, yeah, right? For March, for March, mm-hmm. all of March or most of March,
0: the first three weeks of March.
1: Okay, so, like, obviously, they said that they might change some rules. To the Oscars for this next year, yeah, if you planned on releasing mm-hmm. it, but unfortunately, and they
0: extended the window to February of 2021. But I'm thinking at this point, would it be easier to just cancel 2020 20 movies altogether, and then anything that came out in 2020 is it just eligible for the 2022 Oscars? Mm-hmm. You know, but
1: yeah. So looking at the bigger picture of movies, like the Oscars are going to be super strange these next few years. I would say the next five years mm-hmm. is the window we're looking at for just. Until things go back to normal in the world of movies and release dates and yeah. all that. Yeah, no, so. it's going
0: to be wacky. It's going to be wacky. Yeah. It, sure. it
1: really will. really will. Mm-hmm. But uh, ultimately, we'll have to wait and see, you know? Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, uh, on that somber note. <laughs> yeah, right? We're, we're going <laughs> to go ahead and move on to the next version, or Jesus Christ, version. Section. Uh, section, thank you. Yeah. We're going to go ahead and move on to the next section of our show, which is Classic Movie Reviews. What is that? Well, what we do is Ryan and I like to watch a classic movie and give our thoughts and opinions on it in the modern age, the modern year. Mm-hmm. And what is a classic to us? That is a movie that is in high critical standing, has a following of fans, and came out at least 25 years ago. So Ryan, what movie are we going to be reviewing today? Blues Brothers. We are reviewing the 80s classic Blues Brothers, directed by John Landis, starring Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi, who was taken from us way too soon. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I thoroughly love this movie. I, w- I wish our friend Adam was here. Yeah. Th- that
1: dude's a huge Blues Brothers fan. He could talk about it for hours.
0: Hours, yes. And uh, I, I'm i really glad that we chose to do this one because it's just, not only is it such just a funny, hilarious classic, but it was one of the first like successful Saturday Night Live original movies because mm-hmm. like the Blues Brothers just started off on SNL with the amazing appearance by Din Aykroyd and John Belushi. If you've never seen the original... Blues Brothers' SNL appearance by them. You have to watch it. It's amazing. Um, but um, go, going right into this movie right away, you know, right from the, the opening and the beginning scenes when uh, John Belushi's character is getting out of jail and Dan Aykroyd goes to pick him up, it just sets up the type of characters they are with the editing and in-jokes, it, the jazz and blues music that it has in the opening scenes. I love the opening credits. Like the dun-dun! It has yeah. their names. It's so good. And uh, it sets up immediately the relationship that the two brothers have. Um, and it immediately goes into my favorite scene in the movie, mm-hmm. which is right in the beginning. And it's when they are at, uh, when they visit the penguin's office Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> there's a great scene where they go in and obviously they're cussing and sending and this nun who they call penguin is just beating the hell out of them with rulers and they keep swearing and she keeps hitting them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, while they're doing that, <laughs> uh, she informs them that they need, I believe it's it's not, it doesn't seem like that much now, but I, I want to say it's like $3,000 or maybe $10,000. It's like this, like this that, small yeah. amount that um, they need or else, you know, their orphanage that they grew up in is going to go under. Mm-hmm. And uh, they kind of don't want to help at first because they obviously were troublemakers growing up. But, you know, you can tell that they really care about what they live and they care about Penguin, even yeah. though you know, that that was still like their mother figure. So there may be hard feelings there and they may have gone off on their own path, but you can tell that there's still loving feelings there. And this movie came out in like 1980 Mm. and I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure this was the first use of it. But at one point when penguin is hitting them, one of them looks at the other and says, man, fuck this noise. (laughs) And I just never knew that they said that in that movie. So when I rewatched it, I laughed very hard out loud. And, uh, but I love that little sequence. And then you get to the scene where they go to the church and they James Brown is the past. A lot of famous musicians oh, in this movie. Oh, tons of cameos in this movie. Aretha Franklin's in it, too. Mm-hmm. So good. But uh, then you see the famous God light come down, and it go over John Belushi, and he does the dance, and he's like, we're on a mission from, from God. God. And that whole running joke throughout the movie is so There are so, so many great.
1: good, solid running jokes throughout the oh, movie. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. And just there's great musical dances and bits, too. Great mm-hmm. songs that are included. Uh, the third act, or I'm sorry, the second to third act break sequence when they're at the place performing and the guy comes out and does the I D I D I D I and the whole audience is participating. It's such a fun and such a great wacky movie. Yeah, and I love just how blunt and silly the Blues Brothers are. <laughs> like, well, I love the scene when Elwood takes uh, the can of glue and sprays it to the thing that looks at <laughs> um, Jorlett Jake and goes glue strong stuff <laughs> 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 just keeps running away with them and like he just loves like white bread toast like that's just yeah. his favorite thing to eat such such a fun and such a great movie um before we dive into more specifics just give me some of your overall thoughts on the movie and just like kind of what it means to you when you watch it
1: yeah no it's it's a hilarious movie i absolutely love this movie and uh one of my favorite running jokes is the plot of the movie they're on a mission from god like uh my favorite sequence in the movie is whenever they are getting chased by cops and they end up like going into the mall and like they're just driving around the mall and uh I, I believe John L El- or um John Elway the quarterback um <laughs> Elwood Blues Elwood yeah Elwood Blues is uh he he says something uh, along the lines of they're never going to catch us we're on a mission from god <laughs> yes it's just like of course they're not mm-hmm. going to catch you because God told you to go yeah, save the yeah, orphanage. Yeah, and it's in like, their
0: eyes are just like, well, we're never going to get caught. Yeah. And so,
1: and they don't. Yeah. No, but like I,
0: I love, uh, yeah. Not until like the literally the very, 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 end, and there's nowhere else to go. Yeah. And the little Steven Spielberg cameo, which, which is, hilarious. is fantastic. Yeah. But I love that mall sequence too, just because they're driving around the mall and Jake's like pointing out stores that are new. They're like, Oh, they have this now. and <laughs> just like, Driving past people. I love that. Also Carrie Fisher in this film, God! Not only is she just like a great actress, and she'll always be Princess Leia, but uh, I complete like upon rewatch, I almost completely forgot she's even in the film. Mm-hmm. And not only is she just stunningly gorgeous and beautiful, but just her her rocket launcher scenes—just trying to kill Jake Blues. And just they blow everything. down the building, and they wake and then, up and they're like, oh, yeah, nine o'clock, late yeah, for work. Go. <laughs> it's like <laughs> your building just collapsed yeah. on you. It's so funny, dude. And just uh, I love when they're in the phone booth, and it blows straight up into the air, and then falls down, and they just look at each other like. <laughs> and they get up, and they never lose the hat and sunglasses guy. never never so That's good. that's part of who they are the so hat good. and sunglasses, and you have the classic line of like we got a full taken gas, half pack of cigarettes. that whole speech is great, yeah, um, but not only do I you know really, really like just the comedy and the the action there's some great stunt and car chase scenes in this film especially towards the end the car chases are insane
1: i remember watching it for the first time with you mm-hmm. uh probably within the last year and a half i want to say i watched it for the first time mm-hmm. and the car chase scene whenever they go up the ramp and it's like a toy car yeah, in yeah. slow motion and it's flipping yeah. i lost my mind when i watched yes. that i thought that was the funniest thing it's
0: great it's great stuff and uh oh the illinois nazis i love that bit yeah. <laughs> well, who's holding up the bridge the fucking nazi party i hate the nazis <laughs> and they just drive and they all jump off and then i love the bit when he when jake tells people his address is um the all the cub stadium wrigley field mm-hmm. when so when the nazis find his address they go and they just meet at wrigley field they're like those bastards <laughs> and then they like all these the cops the nazis like all these people are after everyone's them chasing them the movie. yeah Oh, and I love um, Jake's character, like, when they go to the country club, and he walks up, and they pretend to be the band, and then he's, the actual band shows up, so he goes, and, like, is the middle man, but, so they, they can escape. It's yeah. so, so funny. Oh, and the bit where they're in the restaurant, like, the really, really fancy restaurant that their old band member works at.
1: Oh, yeah, and they're trying to, like, get the band back yeah, together. and
0: they're just, like, chomping, destroying food, just, like, embarrassing. And they're, like, eating off other yeah. people's plates and stuff. And, and then uh, John Belushi's like, Excuse me. How much? What? The little girl! How much for the little girl? And it's just trying to scare the guy and get him to finally succumb and join. Yeah. Such a great film. But also, it really, you know, for that era, you know, it kind of helped shine a light into, you know, the African American culture. And, you know, you got a lot of the Blues Brothers. Yeah, they're two white dudes, and you know it's the '80s, so of course that's how it's going to be. But um, you get a lot of the African American music culture, you get that scene, you get all of the crowds and the culture. It was a very, very diverse movie, mm-hmm. and I thought it was really cool. Oh, Ray Charles, Ray Charles, plays. Aretha Franklin, yeah. Um, yeah, and just all the extras, the dancers. Yeah. It was just such a, it was such a celebration of American culture, mm-hmm. especially in that time period and you know there hasn't really been a fun R-rated movie like that cuz that family that I'm sorry that movie plays as a family film when you watch it mm-hmm. but it's it's very R-rated there's f-words there's some violence the violence is not bad but like yeah. I, I miss that i miss the R-rated family film and i wish we could get more of those but uh no but i i thoroughly love blue's brothers and I love that the journey of those characters go on and of course you book in the movie with them getting arrested and performing Jailhouse Rock in the prison. It's absolutely it's perfect and I it's just it's such a funny movie and just I, I feel like I'm repeating myself but I, I'm being genuine in how much mm-hmm. I love this film. absolutely, And just how well constructed the scenes are. John Landis is a phenomenal director mm-hmm. and so not only are the comedic scenes funny but like like we said the car chases the big action scenes mm-hmm. just everything and just the Amazing performances from John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd. Absolutely, and they so good, iconic. iconic oh, absolutely,
1: characters. absolutely. Something that's still around today. Like they still have Blues at Brothers Universal. shows at Universal, and,
0: and crowds always gather to watch. Yeah, a,
1: absolutely. Um, they not only have like comedic lines and moments, but like they have comedic editing as well. Like the end performance, whenever it's yes, like yes, them, yes. and then it cuts to like some Broadway like style. Where and, everyone's, and like, the, wearing tuxes. And the dude's outfit and, changes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, just out of nowhere, just whenever it cuts, and then it cuts back to them, and they're wearing their normal garb. And it's, like, mm-hmm. that's funny. It's it's funny use of editing, and I'm glad yeah. that they... Because it seems like they don't take themselves seriously, which adds another layer of fun to it. And it does have a lot of heart, like you oh, said, yeah, about, tons like, of celebrating heart. American culture and yeah. how diverse America and, and, is. And bringing,
0: like, th- it's about saving an orphanage, yeah. you know? And just, like, that base line of just, you know, sometimes you have to get yourself in trouble to help somebody else, mm-hmm. and it really shows, like, the Blues Brothers, while well, they started off in SNL in this film, they're, they're really complex characters and that they love, you know, getting in trouble and shenanigans, but at, at the core of their hearts, they just want to help. Yeah. Especially Chicago. And it was just such a fun thing to see, and they don't really make movies like Blues Brothers anymore, and I wish they did. Uh-huh. I wish they... Did. But uh, what are you going to give your overall rating and grade to for the Blues
1: Brothers? Oh, five stars out of five. Five stars. Easy. Yeah, I do not honestly see a negative about this film. I think this film is perfect. The word I don't really like to use when describing film. But yeah. uh, th- this is easily one of those films that you could say is one of the hundred films in my top ten. Oh, yeah. Is a famous line we always say. Yes. and This is it's a great film. Easily one of the greatest movies I've ever seen. It's mm-hmm. fantastic.
0: Yeah, and if, if they ever were to put this in theaters again, I would go see it immediately.
1: Absolutely. But what about you? What are your, uh, what's your grade for it?
0: Uh, I would give it an A. Okay. The only thing preventing it from being an A plus is there There are some, the script overall is really funny and where they're going. Mm-hmm. Like you have to buy into the world a little bit, but there are some places in the movie that I feel like the improvisational aspect of the movie hit, hit a corner. Okay. And they had to like do something to just kind of get around and get out of it. And that is a little bit noticeable, mm-hmm. but that's it. But it bothered me enough to where sometimes in the movie I'd be like, okay, let's go to the next thing. Right. Probably could have been just trimmed down a little bit more. But from what I understand, they trimmed a lot because apparently the script was like huge. Really? When they they wrote it, yeah. I think Dan Aykroyd and uh, John Landis wrote it. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, but I I love this film. And uh, I'm really glad that we got to watch it again. It was so. Yeah, it's it's it's, honestly a great film. It's always a good time. And
1: it is one of the few films that truly has heart and cares about it oh yeah and
0: it's r-rated i miss that
1: yeah miss that you can make
0: an r-rated movie and still have it be heartfelt and amazing
1: and i feel like a lot of movies that we've seen lately like whether it's new or older movies it just doesn't feel like they have that same kind of heart yeah like the last movie that felt like it had heart of the classic movies would be clerks
0: yeah, and even then, that, like, filthy, raunchy movie, it did have heart in it. And Clarks yeah. too, even has more heart.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I absolutely, like, that's a huge, huge positive when watching a movie because mm-hmm. you can tell the filmmakers really care about the story they're telling. Oh, yeah, and they just care about the characters so Absolutely, much. absolutely.
0: So, yeah, so th- that'll be our little classic movie review for the Blues Brothers. Thank you. Now we're going to move on to the next section of our show called Movie Hot Takes, where Ryan and I pick a hot take about a discussion in the movie world. Mm-hmm. One that's probably unpopular and kind of defend our point as to why we have that hot take in the world of movies. So, also, use this opportunity to leave your own hot takes in the comments below. So, Ryan, what is your movie hot take that you have for us this week?
1: Well, funny enough that we just wrapped up classic movies, because mine has to do with classic movies. Interesting. Uh, So... Typically, whenever someone talks about classic movies, you like to think this movie is generally good, right? Um, especially when people talk about like, oh, like this is such a classic; it's such a good movie. Like when you talk about Lawrence of Arabia, which I haven't seen, but mm-hmm. that's typically regarded as a good movie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Citizen Kane, another movie I haven't seen, but that's regarded as like the greatest film of all
0: time. I'm adding these to our classic movies list, so yeah, if you can oh, get absolutely. to watching those. God, Citizen Kane's great.
1: Uh, Honestly, that is where this discussion centers around. I've heard Citizen Kane is very boring and not good. But what my point is specifically in the movie I want to talk about is Forrest Gump. That is regarded as like a fantastic movie. Everyone I know absolutely loves that movie. I think that movie is good. I don't think it's fantastic. I don't think we should love it because the mainstream if you will tells us that this is a movie we need to love Mm -hmm. um i think it's boring for most of it but i think it's a good movie i think it has heart i think it has the good message but i don't think it's fantastic i don't think it's like this outstanding groundbreaking movie that everyone likes to think it is uh but that's the beauty of subjectivity and the which we just
0: talked about last week
1: exactly um so that is one example another example which i'm going to catch a lot of heat for from kyler is uh goodwill hunting everyone that i know everyone's mother that i know everyone's grandmother that i know absolutely loves this movie this movie is fantastic to them i didn't even finish it i got like 30 minutes into it and fell asleep and i wasn't even that tired i was watching it around uh five six o'clock and i just fell asleep after watching it it's just boring just because the classic movies and movies that people think are top of the class top of like above all these other films doesn't necessarily make them good and that ties directly into the subjectivity of film and i just i don't think that people should go into movies with a mindset of like oh everyone thinks this movie is great so i'm gonna think this is great and not the case it may not you you may not sit well with it just like i haven't sit well with Forrest Gump I just think it's a good movie I think it's long I think it's boring But it's good And Goodwill Hunting I think it's just Boring I fell asleep It didn't really Capture me the way I was looking for Because I went in With the mindset of Everyone loves this movie So I'm going to love it And that's my hot take Do you have any thoughts And opinions about that? So basically
0: your hot take is Just because someone Tells you Just because a movie Is well beloved In a classic And people will tell you Oh you gotta watch this movie You'll love it Doesn't mean that it's Necessarily good Always correct. Okay, few things. Yep. One, I love Forrest Gump. <laughs> I just want that to be clue stated. I love that film. Good Bull Hunting, technically on movie night standard, isn't a classic because it came out in 1997. Okay, but I'll still say, how dare you! <laughs> Good Will Hunting is one of the best movies ever made, but we'll debate about that some other time. And again, I haven't watched the whole movie all the way through, so if I
1: watched all the way through, that could totally change. And
0: like we said last week, all film is subjective, so I'm not saying he's right or wrong, I'm just saying I disagree. Mm -hmm. However, on the general concept of just because a movie is considered a classic and it is in high regard doesn't mean you have to like it. Mm -hmm. I agree. Um, There are classic movies that I dislike. The one off the top of my head that I'm thinking about is a movie called Stagecoach. It's an early John Wayne movie. I thought that movie was very boring. I didn't like any of the characters there, now there are some really top of the line stunts in it, especially for like early cinema like that. I think it was the thirties that came out mm-hmm. and there's some stuff in there, especially towards the end with the stunts where I was like, holy crap, that's impressive. But the movie was very bland and nothing above the surface level to me. But many, many people regard that movie as a classic, classic film. It just didn't really work for me. Yeah. So I completely understand what you mean by that. But, uh, but I also think that just goes to the testament bringing back last week about subjectivity. Mm-hmm. It brings about just how magic movies can be because a collective group of generations of people have said, yo, this movie is a classic, bam, you will like it too. Mm-hmm. And just because you might not like it, still, just the, the fact that subjective art can have that power over audiences mm-hmm. is interesting. But I agree that just because something's considered classic or great or in high regard doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to personally enjoy it or that you have to enjoy it. Exactly.
1: And the most famous one is Citizen Kane because, like, Mm -hmm. when you talk about film... I mean, yes, they did a lot of technical things that have never been done before, and that's the first of its kind, which I I can understand and I can appreciate that. But it doesn't mean it's a great movie, and it doesn't mean I have to like it. Exactly,
0: exactly. Now, I also love Citizen Kane. I want that to be (laughs) pointed out as well. But, uh... But yeah, but I know exactly what you're saying. Mm -hmm. And it happens all the time. Sometimes movies that have come out that aren't classics but will be considered classics, I know people who don't like those movies. Yeah. So, you know, uh, interesting point that you bring up. Because I remember when you really start to get into becoming a film fan and movie watching and you don't like a movie that someone told you was a classic, you kind of don't admit it. You're just like, "Uh uh-huh. No, I
1: I liked this about it. Yeah, yeah. And I liked that about it. But you uh, won't be like, no, I don't don't like it. And And that's totally fine if you don't like a film. Yeah,
0: and there's a common classic that I know a lot of people don't like and that's blade runner mm-hmm. uh, for example hannah didn't like a blade runner very much um i love it but there I, that is one of those classic movies that some people are just like i don't understand the hype for it and you'll see that happen sometimes but uh, but nice 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 point to bring up nice topic there mm-hmm. i like that
1: yeah what about you what's what's your uh hot take that you wanted to bring to the table today
0: speaking of things that we disagree on <laughs> um here's my hot take Now, granted, this is my subjective opinion, like we point out consistently. Mm -hmm. In my opinion, there is no such thing as a good Friday the 13th movie. I think the ones that I've seen, I haven't seen all of them. Mm -hmm. The ones that I've seen are trash. And the reasons why I don't watch the other ones is because... The people who have seen them, who I know, like in the film fan world, have told me, they're trash. Don't watch them. So, in my opinion, and I've seen Friday the 13th Part 1, Part 2, Part 3, Jason X, Jason Goes to Hell, and... Um, Takes Manhattan? I haven't seen Takes Manhattan.
1: Oh, that's Nick who's seen that.
0: I've seen, I've seen five. I've skipped four.
1: Was it Freddy versus Jason?
0: No, I, I, I have also seen that. Okay. But that's not it. Yeah, I've seen one, two, three, five. Is five Jason goes to hell? Maybe I'm thinking of the same one. Maybe. Yeah, but I I haven't seen all of them. There's two or three that I haven't seen. Mm -hmm. But I dislike all of them. And immediately when I say that, the first thing people go is like, well, what about the first one? What about the first Friday the 13th movie? (laughs) You don't like the first Friday the 13th movie? (laughs) What about the first one? And I'm like, the first one is also shit. I can't stand it. Because, oh man, because it is a Halloween ripoff. I love the original Halloween. So do you. Absolutely. Friday the 13th was made in response to Halloween success. And the director of the film has even said that on multiple occasions. He's like, I was in the studio. They literally gave me a day, like Friday the 13th, like a holiday, and said, Halloween's popular. Do it. Now, I like the twist. It's a very good twist. They probably should have included that character in the movie more instead of just being kind of sudden. Yeah. But it was an, that concept was interesting.
1: The concept of the mother killing them instead of the child. I
0: was trying to tread lightly, but yeah, that. Spoilers. Spoilers. It came out in (laughs)
1: 1980. But I'm pretty sure everyone, even if you haven't seen it, That's common knowledge. Yeah, it's common knowledge.
0: Anyway. I also, I like the makeup effects
2: hmm
1: Good job. Two things. <laughs> and, and, and and a
0: famous makeup artist did them that his name is leaving me. I think it's Tom Savini, something like that. His mm-hmm. name's leaving yeah, me. Yeah, Tom Savini. Yeah, but very, very famous makeup artist and the makeup effects are very good. I just like everything else. There are entire sequences where I'm just like watching it, like rubbing my temples. Like just like, oh my god, what are they doing? Mm-hmm. And it is so it's such a bad movie. Two's worse, three is worse. And but now, I do want to point out I am not taking away or denying the existence of Jason being a prominent horror icon. Mm -hmm. That's objective. Just look at merchandise sales. Yeah. Immediately. Jason is an icon in horror. Everyone recognizes the hockey mask, which ironically didn't even come in till part three. Yeah. But I am not denying or taking anything away from that. I just think every movie that I've seen that character in is absolute garbage. And uh, what are your thoughts on my statement of not liking any of the Friday the 13th films? And, uh, t- tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> as I'm as like. much as
1: I would love to tell you you're wrong, it is subjective, you know, it's yeah, not going to yeah. sit well with you and mm-hmm. obviously it doesn't, you know, but I, I personally like those movies. I know they're bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think the first one is the best one, but you know, like not being that guy, like what about the first one? Yeah. Like you don't like it, you don't like it, you know, I'm not going to like force it down your throat. I'm not going to force you to like it, you mm-hmm. know? Uh, but I, I do think the first one is more enjoyable than the other ones. I do acknowledge that they're all trash, especially the newest one with Jared Padalaki, like that one. <laughs> <ugh>. Horrible. <laughs> it is horrible. But I watch it because it's a guilty pleasure. Like it's yeah. it's it's mindless. You turn your brain off, you watch someone kill other people and it's a slasher film. And there I love some, slasher films. There are some that are really funny. Jason X was hilarious. <laughs> Never seen it, but I watched a clip and I refuse to watch it because it looks like absolute dog shit looks terrible god i watched a clip from it when they're all like in this straight tunnel and then some like <laughs> rock music yep. plays and they're yep. like running around on the tube and some and jason like knocks their head off or something i'm just like good stuff oh god i don't, I don't care to watch good that stuff but um it gave us kevin bacon it's <laughs> cool so, I don't know how that's not a plus. Ryan, looking for the silver lining <laughs> since 1997. Am I wrong?
0: No, not, not. But, uh, but yeah, no, uh, I like this segment of the hot takes and movies, but uh, yeah, I want the world to know that uh, there's no such thing as a good Friday the 13th movie, in my opinion, and uh, if you want to debate about that anytime, time, you know where to find my social media. Yeah, right. I, I have a, nothing but time.
1: <laughs> Bring it on. Oh boy!
0: Oh, good, good
1: stuff. But uh, speaking of Raiders, franchise spotlight. <laughs> <laughs> what? You're talking about how you watched Raiders in the theater earlier.
0: That was like 20 minutes ago. Yeah.
1: Speaking of Raiders, <laughs> man, We're
0: now I'm moving great on to sideways. the section of the show called franchise spotlight, where we break down a movie franchise in detail and talk about each film. And this week's franchise spotlight is on the Indiana Jones franchise, starting with Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yes. Good job, Ryan. <laughs> the segue was half there. Yes. So I actually got the opportunity to see Raiders of the Lost Ark in a movie theater recently, like I said earlier. Mm-hmm. And um, God, what a perfect movie. I'm so sorry. Yeah. I've been saying that a lot the past few weeks, but we keep picking bangers for these situations.
1: Bangers. Absolute bangers of movies yes
0: and Raiders of the Lost Ark is just one of those movies man where it's pure cinematic magic Mm -hmm. every time like from the opening scene to you know you don't even see his face you just see his whip his hat he looks like a suave badass and then he whips the guy's gun out of his hands and steps into the light and it's sexy Harrison Ford you're just like dang He's such a cool archaeologist. Like, what the hell? And then the moment things start going wrong, he becomes a regular dude. And yeah. he's just, like, flailing around, doesn't know what to do. And that's one thing that's really a testament to the whole franchise, but especially in Raiders, is when he's in his element, he's, like, this cool, unstoppable badass. But the moment he steps out of his comfort zone, he's like, yeah. And, and anything
1: bad yeah. happens, he's just like, oh, he, like, freaks out, you know? Yeah,
0: it's so, so funny. And um, and we get
1: a young Doc Ock in it.
0: Yes, yes, in the opening, yes. of Molina. Mm-hmm. Very, very young Doc Ock. And uh, God, I-, I love that whole opening, the iconic, like when he's looking at the idol and he has the sandbag. Like, it's such such yeah, Very stuff. iconic And it's moment. all visual storytelling, too. Like, there's barely any lines in the first 15 minutes of that movie. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, of course, as soon as he does all the hard work, it gets taken from him by his colleague and he has to go back to America. And then um, you get the great scene where the people come in and say, hey, the Nazis are trying to steal the Ark of the Covenant. We want to make sure that that doesn't happen. And, and then you know,
1: doesn't he? I believe he denies its existence. Doesn't he? Like well, no, oh, he's like, oh, it's not a real thing. Well, no,
0: like he he believes it's a real thing, but he doesn't believe that it has power. He's just that's like, what it was. He's yeah, like, yeah. I don't believe in any of that stuff. But it's a it's a real artifact, and you know, um, my my uh, mentor uh, Abner Ravenwood, he would know where it is. I'm gonna go, you know, try to track him down. Mm-hmm. And then you know, you find out that, and I like how it never explicitly tells you in that opening in that scene of like, he just says we had a falling out. But uh, and then you meet Marion and you find out that they had a thing and then you mm. it's implied like oh they're falling out was he was probably banging his daughter and then took off and then yeah. they hated each other but uh, I love God Marion Ravenwood what an awesome character like is introduced and she's doing the drinking contest and she's pretending she's out of it just so she can win all this money and then oh and you get that shot when Indiana Jones walks in and his shadow's on the wall and you just see the hat and oh, he walks in oh and she turns around Indiana Jones and just punches him in the face I love the sound effects. The cheesy, just old yes.
1: classic sound effects.
0: So, so awesome! It's something that this movie that I guess people just forgot about. This movie is violent as hell.
1: Yeah, it really is.
0: And like, dude, like the end, the dude's face just like melts, and like people's mm-hmm. heads explode. It's so great. Yeah. but I, I wish Indiana Jones stayed violent. Like on, um, we'll, we'll get to Temple of Doom. But, but like, <laughs> but you know, I wish that they. So, like, what's your stayed favorite violent.
1: segment from this movie? Like, what, what's your favorite sequence or moment from this movie?
0: Um, a couple things uh i really quick want to point out the cinematography in this film is unbelievable mm-hmm. and like i was gonna say i love the shot when they're digging and it's just the silhouette shot of the sunset and oh, them yeah. digging but my favorite sequence is when they're uh, raven marion and indiana jones are escaping and they run into that plane and that big dude is going to go up against indiana jones and like indiana jones is just trying to sneak into the cockpit and the dude sees him and Indiana's like <laughs> and, and he comes down And they start having this fight And Indiana Jones is getting his ass handed to him But then he finally gets the upper hand The dude's nose starts bleeding You're like yeah And then he gets knocked on his ass And then just smiles And you see the plane propeller Just coming at the dude And it just messes him up Oh absolutely Such a great sequence And just th- this film is Spielberg directed the shit out of this movie This movie is so so well done um, And it's like It was a story by George Lucas It's a Lucasfilm production like Which the, is a very
1: fascinating story On how they wrote it Yeah
0: and um really really cool stuff there and like they even there's even a location that's the same location from a new hope really with uh when r2d2 gets captured by the jawas mm-hmm. the scene where like indiana jones has the rocket launcher he's like i'm going to blow up the ark like it's the same location oh wow that's cool yeah really really cool stuff uh and i also love just the dynamic between indiana jones and marion mm-hmm. the uh there's this great scene where they're on a boat um almost trying to get away and it's like the first like intimate moment that they have and uh you get the great line when she goes you're getting too old to be doing this and he says it's not the years honey it's the mileage and uh <laughs> he and they're sitting there and he's like complaining that his whole body hurts and she's trying to help him and she's like well god damn it where doesn't it hurt and he goes right he and he like is like being like a dick and he points yeah. to his elbow he's like right here and then she kisses his elbow and he's like this isn't so bad either <laughs> and she just starts kissing him wherever he points it's a cute little moment between yeah. them but it really made me mad that, like, they didn't bring her back for, like, two and three because I love the Marion Ravenwood character. But they mm-hmm. were trying to make Indiana Jones, like, the American James Bond, which we'll get into later. Yeah. But then you get the awesome sequence in the end when they open the arc and he's just like, close your eyes. <laughs> and then everyone... Well, will... he screams. He doesn't say yeah. just close, yeah. Yeah. close your eyes. Close your eyes! Bloody murder. He's yeah. yelling Yeah, and, like, it. people's heads are exploding. People are melting. It's... The practical effects are insanely awesome. Oh, yeah. God, Raiders of the Lost Ark is one of the best fucking movies ever made. Oh, and real quick, the stunts mm-hmm. in Raiders. Oh, my God. this The actions, choreography, and scenes, and the stunt work. Top-tier stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, the stunt when Indiana Jones on the front of the car, and he's getting sucked under. Oh, and so yeah. he just goes, and, like, it's a real stunt man, like, underneath a car that lets go and then grabs and, like, gets dragged by a real vehicle. And it's yeah. like, Jesus Christ, we would never see this now.
1: It's nuts. It's so awesome. The fight scenes are great. I would definitely say, like, my favorite sequence would be whenever they're in the market. And the guy comes up with a sword, like oh, the iconic. Oh yes, yes. And uh, the real story behind that, like, mm-hmm. made that scene what it is. Mm-hmm. But uh, this guy's like looking for a fight, and Indy's just like pulls out his gun and just shoot shoots him. him. Which, like, <laughs> after watching the opening and like seeing how he's just like so over it, anytime he gets like screwed over or just something bad happens, he's just over it and wants to get out of it. And that's what happens. Something bad happens, and he just wants to get out of the situation, so he just shoots mm-hmm. him, you know, yeah. as in typical indie fashion. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that Indiana Jones, like, has that moment because that moment is a staple on who he is. Yeah,
0: and it's funny because it wasn't even scripted. Harrison Ford just had really bad food poisoning. They were supposed to have a fight, mm-hmm. and he had really bad food poisoning that day, and he was just like, can I just shoot him? And Spielberg is like, well, yeah, that's a great, great idea. And yeah. they ended up doing it, and that's... Uh, I love Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's oh, yeah. such a good movie. Seeing it on the big screen is so great.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But moving on to the next one, we have Temple of Doom. It's
0: Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. I'm going to say something kind of unpopular about Indiana Jones and the Temple Go of Doom. Go ahead.
1: We love unpopular opinions here. <clears throat>
0: uh, this movie is fucking awesome. I love Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Yeah. It's, it's not as good as Raiders. And there are some things in the movie that I wish were not there. Kate Capshaw's entire character. Oh my God, she's so annoying! I hate her in this movie. She just screams at everything. She's awful. She's the worst. But um, I love that the approach to this movie was we're gonna make a movie that's just completely different from Raiders of the Lost Ark, and just have it involve Indiana Jones, and do it that way. Mm-hmm. And while the first Indiana Jones movie was must about like you know Judaism and that sort of religion, this one's about Hinduism, and uh, the this movie's dark as hell. It scarred every child that ever lived who saw this movie. And when you watched Raiders and Indiana Jones as a kid, you felt like you were getting away with something because those mm-hmm. movies are really violent and parents are just kind of like, ah, whatever. It's a fun adventure it. movie. But Temple of Doom, quick backstory before we get into the actual movie, this movie is partially the reason why the PG-13 movie rating exists because at mm-hmm. the time you just had G, P, G, and R. And then Temple of Doom came out, which is rated PG, and a lot of parents were mad because, you know, a man just casually rips another man's heart out with his hand. Yeah, as you do. Like it's nothing. And it's traumatic and horrifying. And there's a bunch of other cool bloody scenes. And parents were arguably, or admittedly, a little upset about what happened. So uh, they decided, well, let's create a new rating and fix that problem. And one of the first movies to to come out with that rating was actually Red Dawn. Mm -hmm. But, uh, But yeah, and even Spielberg's career after this, he started only using graphic violence for like serious things like Saving Private Ryan Schindler's List things Mm -hmm. of that nature because even Indiana Jones 3 isn't as violent and um, they may have done another one that wasn't that violent but uh, I try not to acknowledge the existence of
1: that one yeah but but unfortunately um, you're gonna have to with Indy 5 coming out
0: but uh, getting uh, into the specifics of the Temple of Doom the opening scene there's a great James Bond homage Indiana Jones is wearing Sean Connery's tux with the little red flower and it looks perfect and uh, there's an opens with a musical number and this, you know, you're in Asia and he's just sitting there and uh, he kidnaps Kate Capshaw because he accidentally drank poison and they have the antidote and you get this amazing sequence of him trying to escape. Then mm-hmm. Short Round comes in. I love Short Round so much. No time for love, Dr. Jones. It's no um, time to love. I love him. And uh, the, the club that they're in is actually called Club Obi-Wan. Oh, really? Which is... I didn't clock that. A funny little thing, yeah. And Dan Aykroyd plays the guy who gets him out. Randomly. He's in the movie for like 30 seconds. Good for him. Yeah, right? But um, uh, then you get the one scene that I think is a bit too much, where they're in the plane, and the, turns out the pilot and the co-pilot are working for the people he was trying to escape. So they jump off of the plane with parachutes. So mm-hmm. they get into an inflatable boat and jump out and pull the boat, and they just fall and land, and they're fine. <laughs> Yeah, a little bit of suspension of disbelief not working there, but you know whatever. Uh, But then you get into the real meat of this film, and you get to where they get to this temple in India or this little village, this really poor village, and a a lot of these people are very poor, and Mm -hmm. clearly it's it's this really sad something horrible's happened, and they take Indiana Jones and, and Kate Capshaw in short round, they feed them, and they start talking about you know what's going on, and Harrison Ford. Indiana Jones talking to the main the main leader of the village, you know, is told like, "Oh, they took this sacred stone that we love so much. You mm-hmm. know, in our religion, it, it brings love and peace to our people. And ever since it's been taken, bad things have happened. And they stole all of our children, which you find out were used for slave labor. Like I said, this movie's dark. Yeah, it's this movie's dark very as hell. But uh, they're like they kidnapped all of our children. They're using them as slaves, and they took this stone. So the and so what I like about this movie is while in the previous movie and the other ones the mission is kind of brought to indiana jones like hey let's go do this because you would like this but mm-hmm. this one it's just this village guy saying we'll make sure you can get out of our country if you please just help us so yeah part of him is doing it because he wants to get home but part of it also as the movie plays out you're seeing that he just really wants to help mm-hmm. so it was kind of not only does it can dig his ar- archaeological bone of like i get to find an artifact but he just really wants to make sure these people are okay yeah and so it was a real like deep character thing for indiana jones and you have kate capshaw who just won't shut the fuck up but uh
1: screams at everything
0: yep and then you know you get some great stuff with him in short round up until this moment and then you actually go to the india and in one of my notes what did i put in one of my notes for one of the negatives of temple of doom ah it was just a little bullet point that says mild racism (laughs) and it's when they're eating at the table and everyone's kind of making fun of what the indian people are eating and it's like "Mm, this didn't age very well But, um, you know, it does help establish, like, that they're in, like, a land that they're not familiar with. Mm -hmm. And you get this great sequence when Kate Capshaw and Harrison Ford are clearly about to have sex, but they go to the opposite room, and they're betting which one's going to break first and come in. But then Indiana Jones gets attacked, and he starts fighting this guy, and Kate Capshaw's like, wow, he's really not coming. What, like an (laughs) asshole? And then he like throws the um whip around the guy's neck and hangs him from the ceiling and then goes in is like breathing heavy and like looking around she's like oh be gentle <laughs> <laughs> he's just like looking for people and that's when you get to the scene where they find this underground like voodoo temple and this dude's ripping dude's hearts out This is... I'm talking directly to Kyler and Nick right now. Okay. For you guys who always try to make me mad about John Williams just does the same music over and over, the score for Temple of Doom is dark and depressing and has no trumpets, and it is horrifying, especially in that temple sequence when he's ripping the dude's heart out. Yeah. John Williams did that, and it sounds completely different and great. Fuck you guys. Star Wars and
1: Superman's the same.
0: Stop that. We're going to argue about that some other time, but... uh um in Temple of Doom, you know, they go and try to stop what's going on. They see the stone that they're supposed to grab. Mm-hmm. And so Indiana Jones goes in there, gets kidnapped, gets f- forced to drink blood, becomes evil Indiana Jones once he drinks the blood. <laughs> short round Super cheesy. Short round gets put into a slave camp and gets whipped by people. And there's this really heartbreaking scene when evil Indiana Jones is about to kill Kate Capshaw like as he's under like the Hindu spell. And Short Round runs up to Indiana Jones and is like, Indy, please don't. I love you. Don't do this. And he like hits Short Round. Yeah, it's very sad. It's very, Dude, it's dark as hell. And then, it, and then Short Round grabs a torch, runs up to Indiana Jones and burns him in the stomach. Mm-hmm. And then he snaps out of it. And then they're about to kill Short Round. And then he goes, wait, he's mine. And then goes, grabs him, hangs him over the fire and goes. And then guess what happens right there? The Raiders da starts playing and they turn around and just start beating the shit out of everyone as uh, typical so indie fashion. Awesome, and I like this movie so different from Raiders. It's dark as hell. It explored a new type of religion, mm-hmm. and it's actually a prequel. It takes place a year before Raiders of the Lost Ark, mm-hmm. which was interesting. They really try to make Indiana Jones be James Bond in this movie, which was it worked for the most part, but they kind of abandoned that concept. But uh, what? But anyway. As the movie wraps up, you get the great boxcar sequence where it's like they're on a roller coaster and they're fighting each other and it's yeah. great. And you get one of my favorite sequences in the movie when he's on the rope bridge and he just cuts it in half and they fall and he has to fight people and people are getting eaten by alligators at the bottom. Oh yeah. <laughs> the violence is crazy, awesome. But uh
1: definitely a much darker different approach to Indiana Jones, yeah. which, you know, changed kind of the future at least for the next movie on the direction they wanted to take.
0: Mm-hmm. And The movie being a prequel is both a positive and a negative for me. And the reason I say that is because in the positive part, it kind of does help character development of Indiana Jones. Because while he's mostly the same guy that Mm -hmm. he is in Raiders, he is slightly different. And the way this movie draws out is you can tell that by the end of Temple of Doom, he is the person that he was in Raiders. Mm -hmm. So that journey was interesting to see how he was a slightly different person just a year before and kind of became the Indiana Jones that we know. He's not completely different, but just yeah. like subtle little things to help him become who he was. Mm-hmm. And also where it's a bad thing is there are several scenes they want you to think Indiana Jones is going to die, but it's like, I've seen Raiders. He was He's, there the whole time. Yeah. So it's like, the, the it's, it's wasted suspense because mm-hmm. it's not suspenseful. And the thing that sucks is like, if it's a true sequel and takes place after Raiders, there's a great sequence where after you see the dude rip a guy's heart out, he's fighting India at the end, and then he puts his fingers over his heart. And so if you didn't know that like it was a prequel, you'd be like, oh, like for a second, like, oh, God. Yeah. And, but like, if you know that, then you know, like, oh, well, he's going to be fine. So it kind of takes that out of it as well. But uh, while I don't think it's a perfect movie like Raiders, and I think it does have some issues. Mm-hmm. I, I really like Temple of Doom, although for years, even growing up, it was known as the one that's not as good. Yeah. And I think it might just because the dark nature of the movie and the actual content, or the stuff that happens in the film, not the overall quality of the film itself. Mm-hmm. But give me some of your thoughts on Temple of Doom, and I have one more thing to say about it before we go on, but go ahead.
1: Yeah. Uh, so, I do like the darker approach, although I can say, like, growing up as a child, it scared the shit out of me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, you know, growing up, I absolutely loved Short Round. Um, oh, yeah. I thought he was absolutely hilarious, mm-hmm. uh, but that kind of ties into, like, the mild racism, because yeah, he is very they... stereotypical, yeah. and, yeah. like, it didn't really age well. Yeah. Um, but... Still, for what it was, looking at the time, I thought it was still enjoyable for the most part. But again, like thinking about it in today's day, like it's not something that aged well, and not just his character, but like a lot of other aspects as well. Um, but definitely, my favorite part of that movie is whenever Short Round like helps Indy snap back to it, and. Holds him over because I've always loved like heroic moments like that, yeah. especially with the score kicking in. Like that's why I love like a lot of the James Bond moments because mm-hmm. something will happen and then that theme will kick in. Like yeah. and I absolutely love the Indiana Jones theme, the bump, oh, yeah. like John it's Williams- fantastic. Feels- yeah, yeah, um, but. It's just like it's super dark subject material. Like there's sacrifices, Mm -hmm. like you said, ripping people's hearts out, and then an annoying actress who just screams the whole time she's on screen, which Mm -hmm. is very annoying after the first scream. Um, But it's just like slave Mm -hmm. labor. Like it's just it's it's a completely different approach, and it's just it's
0: yeah. And there's some great underlying stuff too that I have in my notes that mm -hmm. I almost forgot about. But I have an all caps, dark as hell, which I thought was funny. Yeah. But uh, there's also even some World War II commentary, because especially in the 80s, commentary against American action in World War II wasn't very popular. Mm-hmm. But you get some of Short Round's backstory, and you find out that his parents were killed in Hiroshima. Mm-hmm. So Indy took him under his wing. And like that was almost like unheard of in the 80s. Yeah. It was a movie, especially a big pop culture movie, saying like, yeah we killed his parents. So I feel like I have to help him, Yeah, which was interesting. And also the villains, one of his motives, the main villains motives for, you know, doing these ancient practices and, you know, the voodoo and all that stuff mm-hmm. is because British colonialism in India at the time. And he says like these British come in, they just think they can run everything. I'm not gonna let it happen. And yeah. it was just like, Oh wow. Like stuff that, oh, as your kid just goes over your head. And, uh, Oh, I didn't mention it for the Raiders, but like, I love that Indiana Jones hates snakes. Yeah. and in every single movie there's at least one scene where something happens with a snake and he like freaks out a I hate bit. snakes yeah and uh, last thing about Temple of Doom before we move on mm-hmm. I've noticed something about Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom and doing research about it Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom was the original Star Wars The Last Jedi and what I mean by that okay. is Raiders comes out Force Awakens yep most people love it You know, yay, little complaints, great. Then they do the next one. And suddenly, especially with Last Jedi, but Indiana Jones at the time, if you look at the complaints, that doesn't even feel like an Indiana Jones movie. That was so different. What the hell was that? Blah, 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 blah. You know, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So in the third movie, they bring back characters from Raiders. They make it a similar story to Raiders. There's literally sequences taken from Raiders. And they kind of course-corrected the third movie into kind of bringing it back to making it more like Raiders because of audience response to the film. Mm-hmm. Now, the difference is Spiel, Steven Spielberg made that choice and George Lucas made that choice for Indiana Jones, where Disney made that choice for the Last Jedi to Rise of Skywalker. And I think Last Crusade is better than Temple of Doom. I don't like Rise of Skywalker over Last Jedi personally. But, so, obviously, there's some differences there, but that's kind of subjective. Mm -hmm. But the whole idea of having a second installment come out, fans complain about it a lot and are very vocal about that. So, they kind of take... Because, originally, they were going to make it like James Bond. It was going to be a different random adventure each time. Yeah. And the original idea for Indiana Jones 3 was like a haunted house type of thing, like a haunted castle type of thing that they reworked and changed. But, um, with that being said, I love Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, the third movie, which we're going to get into right now. But I just... It's an interesting, h- like... Cinematic history tends to repeat itself. Yeah. And I thought that that was just an interesting thing to point out, is that with the thing with The Last Jedi, it wasn't a... that's ha- Things like that have happened before. Mm-hmm. And I, like Temple of Doom, I think over the years, people are going to look back at Last Jedi and appreciate it a little bit more. Yeah. I still think that movie has problems. You know, this is not a Star Wars conversation, but... I just saw the parallel between those two things and thought that it was interesting.
1: Yeah, that is very fascinating to look at that and see how cinema history repeats itself because that's a famous saying. History tends to repeat itself. Exactly. This is a prime example. Exactly. Um, But like you said, The Last Crusade is up next.
0: Yes. Indiana Um, Jones and The Last Crusade. I'll let you go first on this one. Okay.
1: Um, I will say one of of my absolute favorite things about this movie is the Sean Connery-Harrison Ford dynamic, the father-son dynamic. Um, Because Harrison Ford uh, is just, he feels like he is rejected by his dad, right? Like he just doesn't. They don't click. Yeah, they don't. Mm -hmm. And I absolutely love that that dynamic grows as the movie goes on Mm -hmm. up to the end where, because he always calls him Junior. Yeah. And he's like. It's not my name It's not my name And then at the end He just kind of like Accepts it Because like They have this whole Character arc Between their relationship And I absolutely love that It's probably my favorite Thing about that movie And you
0: find out That his name is Henry Jones Jr. For the Mm -hmm. first time You got Indiana After the dog Such a a good moment Yeah But uh, yeah no uh, I I thought some of the Beginning of Last Crusade Other than the opening Flashback which I thought Was great
1: With River River, uh, Phoenix Phoenix, Yeah Who who
0: did such a good job Yeah rest in peace He was taken away too soon But yeah uh, Absolutely Um, But I thought some of the opening after that initial sequence was kind of stale. But Mm. then the moment Sean Connery shows up, like Raiders, it's just pure cinematic magic all the way through. This might be Sean Connery's best performance. And he's James Bond. And I love him as James Bond. But like Sean Connery, amazing in this movie. He gets giddy over like the Holy Grail stuff. And they went from Judaism to Hinduism to Christianity. So it's like Mm. another religion tie-in. And, you know... Um, the movie does a good job of presenting its facts and presenting its exposition. Like, I forgot to mention in Raiders, it has one of my favorite expositional scenes ever where um, someone's poisoned Indiana Jones' candy and they're talking about where to find the Ark and he's about to eat it and then stops to speak. So mm-hmm. while you're getting exposition, you're also like, God, don't, don't, don't eat that! And it's, it's a great scene. But... Yeah. Last Crusade um, also makes it fascinating because they have at the heart of that story is the dynamic between Indiana Jones and his father. Mm -hmm. And while a lot of similarity between Last Crusade and um, Raiders of the Lost Ark, while it is similar in tone and similar in what's going on, the thing that makes it wholly different in a completely different dynamic working way is, like I said, the relationship between Sean Connery and Harrison Ford and their chemistry is excellent. Oh, yeah. And um, it has the greatest transition shot in human history. When he puts on the hat as a kid and dips down. And then when it comes back up, it's Harrison Ford. Mm. I love that. And this one does take place after Raiders. I believe it was 38 it takes in. And Raiders takes place in 36. Yeah. Um, but yeah, love, love, love this movie. Um, I love the girl in this movie. And then she turns out to be a Nazi. But I thought her performance was good. And I love the bit with Sean Connery. It's like she talks in her sleep. And Re- Indiana just like, what? I love the bit where they're tied back to back and like the house starts to burn. So they're trying to like. And they're like get arguing
1: out. and fighting about like petty yes. stuff too yes. as well. So good. Yeah.
0: I-, I will say this is the funniest Indiana Jones movie. The humor works. I'd say. Raiders has some good jokes, but like this is the cons- most consistently funny. And, but it also moves forward with its action like continually. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't sacrifice one for the other. Yeah. Because this has some great sequences in it as well the uh there's a great tank scene where it's like coming up against a wall which and, is and he's holding on to it yeah it's mm-hmm. such a great it scene. gives me
1: anxiety every time i watch it even though i know the outcome of it yeah but like it's just like oh my god like you got like because he's his bag is strapped to the yeah. turret part yeah. and you yeah. just can't get off of it and yeah. it's so it's done so well yeah
0: it's it's great and uh i i love that it finally addresses him being a professor and like because he he goes into his office hours and there's all these kids like Professor Jones blah, 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 and he's like ah oh, oh, one at a time one at a time and he, like goes because usually office. we're just with him
1: for his adventures yeah
0: and then he goes into his office and just sneaks out the window mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's just fun little shit like that um it my it has one of my two of my favorite movie jokes ever okay and one of them is the joke about Marcus Brody who returns from Raiders where they're like we're going to find Marcus Brody. And then Harrison Ford does like this passionate speech. The camera's moving in on him. And he's like, Marcus Brody's one of the most intelligent men I've ever known. He can easily disappear. He knows six languages can do this and do that. You'll never find him with any luck. He's found the Holy grail already. Then it cuts to Marcus Brody in Egypt. And he's like, does anybody here speak English? And it's so damn funny. Such a great moment. Mm -hmm. And uh, also there's a scene where they're in a plane, Sean Connery and Indiana Jones, Uh, Sean Connery, Harrison Ford. Christ. yeah, And, uh, Sean Connery is shooting at enemy planes and then he completely shoots their own plane and like takes off the back of it (laughs) and then he pauses and just goes son I'm sorry they got us (laughs) just like plays it off like they got hit yeah it's such a great scene and um, the chase sequences are so thrilling Mm -hmm. Um, the no ticket joke is also great. When Harrison Ford puts on the disguise as like the ticket guy in the Zeppelin and throws the Nazi out the window, and everyone looks wide, and he just goes, "No ticket," and then everyone <laughs> like pulls out their stuff like this. So so funny. You get great scenes with Sean Connery and Harrison Ford. Like when Harrison Ford's like, "You know, you never talked to me as a kid," and then so Sean Connery's like, "What do you want to talk about?" Yeah. He goes, "Well, I don't know what to talk about now." And then Sean Connery's like, "Well, what are you complaining about then?" Yeah. And I think the emotional crux of the movie. And I love this film's third act when Indy has to go and complete the challenges to get the Holy Grail, because mm-hmm. um, Sean Connery gets shot, and so not only are there real st- there's real stakes to like I have to get this or else my yeah. father's gonna die. So it's more personal rather than just you mm-hmm. know adventurous. And I love the scene when you know the Grail crosses the seal, so the temple starts to collapse, and Indiana Jones is hanging off the cliff. His dad's got his arm, and he's like reaching for the Grail, like I can get it, I can get it. And for the first time in the movie his dad goes Indiana and just calls him the name. He's always wanted to be called. And then he just like looks up and knows like, okay, I need to let it go. Like that's such a great moment in that yeah. movie. And it's the emotional crux. And uh, do you have any negatives or in particular about the film?
1: Uh, negatives? No, I don't think it's like a perfect movie by any means. Um, but I just, I, I couldn't point like a negative out, but one thing that I absolutely love that ties into the relationship and the emotional uh, of, the relationship between them mm-hmm. is whenever the car or the tank like goes off the cliff yes. and they think yes. that Indy was on it which he was able to hold on to the cliff mm-hmm. but they're all like looking over and they're like crying and like upset mm-hmm. that like Indy's dead and then he like gets up but he's like yeah. 10 feet away so they don't see him and he like comes over yeah. their shoulder and like looks over to see what they're looking at and it's just, I love and that moment. Sean Connery hugs
0: him and says, "I thought I lost you, boy." Yeah, oh, oh it's so good, so good, so good. Uh, the only negative I have, other than yes. like I thought part of it was stale, and um, it tries very hard to forget Temple of Doom, but uh,
1: well, in what ways?
0: It's just they don't even reference. They reference Raiders of the Lost Ark a couple of times, and mm-hmm. they don't even mention anything about. Do you Temple think that's also?
1: Taking it in a dir- different direction That they wanted to like Stray away from Temple of Doom And like any connection to that I think so Like on on a filmmaking standpoint Not necessarily like in the movie
0: I think so okay. Maybe But uh, it was just kind of like You expect something mm-hmm. And you know nothing And also uh, I love that they uh, They kind of hit it on the head Of like they want Indiana Jones To be like James Bond So they cast James Bond as his dad Like that's just That's yeah. not a negative That's just cool But my last negative is uh, I hate the cliche of don't trust anyone and the person who said don't trust anyone is the bad guy yeah and like as a kid i'm sure i didn't see it coming but like i've seen so many movies now when i rewatched it i like as soon as the guy said like don't trust anybody i was like fuck that's right he's the he's the bad guy and i just i hate that cliche but a little you know it's nothing major to dislike about the film Mm -hmm. but uh and then at the end of the movie You find out his real name. You find out he got his name from his dog. Him and his dad are happy. And then they ride into the sunset. And they never made another Indiana Jones movie
1: again. Until 2008's Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I also have notes. (laughs) Probably a lot of negatives, I'd imagine. Mm. Uh, Well, let me go ahead first, because my talk will be short before you get into your negatives and rip it apart. Go ahead. Um, I will say this movie is absolute trash now i do remember watching this as a child and enjoying it because it's fun as hell for kids but like anyone who's our age or at least has any concept of like film is that they're not going to like this movie it's mm-hmm. trash uh there's aliens in it because <laughs> fucking what well, else they're, is they're interdimensional
0: beings ryan they're not aliens whatever
1: same thing god you know nazis are back being the villain again because no they, it's not it's soviets soviets
0: there's, they even drive by a uh, a uh, college like protest that says I'd rather be dead than red.
1: <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah. God, how could I forget? I try like you. I try to block that movie out of my memory. Um, but it's I, I will say my favorite part about this film is definitely when they're in the warehouse and he's like running and whipping the lights oh, the, the in. opening is awesome absolutely the opening is awesome it's fantastic but yeah. aside from that there's really no positive shia labeouf's character i absolutely despise i think he's just super annoying um but Nutt, yes harrison ford does huh
0: Nutt williams yeah he?
1: god it's just it's so bad it's awful. And Harrison Ford, you can tell, clearly doesn't want to be a part of this movie at all.
0: One of my notes is grumpy Harrison. <laughs>
1: and like, Harrison Ford is one of the funniest actors to watch because yeah. you can tell when he cares. Yeah. And you can tell when he absolutely doesn't.
0: He cared more about Call of the Wild. He absolutely <laughs> did. And I don't blame him at all. Yeah. Oh, God. But anyway, but, continue. I didn't mean to interrupt you. But
1: no, you're good. That's probably the only positive I have about this film is the opening sequence because I think that's rad as hell and that is indiana jones but the rest of it like the cg is horrible the giant like the chase sequence at the end with the giant killer ants like it's so bad it's so bad and it just it feels like it's trying to be formulaic and i think that's its biggest downfall it's not trying to be its own movie and with aliens or interdimensional beings like it's it's stupid. Mm-hmm. It's it's I try like you, I try to forget that it even exists, but it does and they're going to make a fifth one, so this one is in that universe.
0: Yeah. I'll believe the fifth one when I see it. Yeah, but right. but uh I'll do my positives first. <laughs> <laughs> I really like the opening scene as well. Wow. <laughs> very cool. The um entrance of Indiana Jones as a character, awesome. Mhm. Kate Blanchett plays the villain and she tries very hard. Uh she's giving like a stereotypical russian performance but Mm -hmm. she's killing it at doing that yeah i like Kate blanchett a lot um they tried to add more to the story by i'm stretching by uh firing indiana jones as a professor even though they undo that decision at the end of the movie so it doesn't matter and marion was back marion ravenwood Mm -hmm. returns breaking the tradition of having it be a new girl finally indiana jones isn't james bond I love Indiana Jones. I like him more than James Bond, but...
1: Whoa! But try
0: not to be James Bond. You know what I mean? Okay. So, uh I'm glad that they broke that tradition. And then let's go to my negative, shall we? Oh, boy. Grumpy Harrison has been brought up. Now, there are a couple moments mm-hmm. where he's Indiana Jones.
1: Especially during that opening.
0: Yes. And, like, the snake part, he becomes Indiana Jones yeah. again. And there's a couple scenes where he is, but for the most part, he's just... <laughs> yeah. Uh nuketown
1: oh my god did you
0: remember that yeah
1: that is the scene I try to forget when
0: TV does something bad it's called jumping the shark with this movie whenever a movie does something dumb it's called nuking the fridge because that's exactly what happened he got into a fridge and survived the nuke that's more suspension of disbelief than temple of doom falling out of the plane yeah there's they do a really bad job at the suspension of disbelief in this movie which they do a great job of it in the previous films Mm um um It feels like a movie without a soul. Yeah. Like Indiana Jones, every movie, even Temple of Doom, which is different, you feel that soul and that passion in that movie. The movie just feels very stale, very bland, very CG heavy, Mm -hmm. and it just takes the magic right out of an Indiana Jones film. Yeah. And having the sort of MacGuffin be sort of extraterrestrial in a way, it takes away from the grounded magic of the story. It just feels dead inside. It felt like a movie with a hollow shell. It didn't even feel like a Steven Spielberg
1: movie, you know?
0: Ugh, movie it's a shame. sad every time I watch it. it.
1: It it honestly feels like just movie executives who are like, "You know what people love? Indiana Jones. And you know what people love even more? Revisiting a franchise years later. Let's go ahead and make a movie to make money." Yeah. And that's what their sole intention was is what it feels like is to make money.
0: Yeah, and also um remember the Tomb Ninjas?
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: That came out of nowhere then disappeared for the rest of the movie. Yeah. Um, Fascinating idea Yeah but. And like the whole thing With Indiana Jones And his son did not work No And the reason and is And they you, try
1: to play It feels like they try to yeah. play it Like the Sean Connery yeah, one Yeah but, 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 like,
0: but like But the thing is The heart and emotional crux Of Last Crusade Was him and his father mm-hmm. You do not even find out It's his son till halfway through the movie And then you don't have time To have like the bickering Thing with that You know It just yeah. felt very Stale and weird felt shoehorned and when you look at the original idea that, that he wasn't supposed to be his son it's supposed to be a random character which the movie works much better if that's the case mm-hmm. um indiana jones got married at the end good for him i mean i don't see that as necessarily a con but uh, i'm i'm so glad that because like they do this thing where the fedora blows into the wedding chapel and shia labeouf picks it up and he goes to put it on as if being like here's the next chapter of indiana jones and harrison ford just takes it and puts it on and it's like they covered themselves there because I don't know if you know this, but in the um, press junkets for this movie, Shia mm-hmm. LaBeouf just shit on it. Like, while, Did he really? Like, while it was coming out, he was just like, yeah, this movie isn't very good. Wow. And, and uh, before the movie came out, the producer of the film said, one of them might have been, might have been Frank Marshall, said, if we do a Fifth Anita Jones film, Shia LaBeouf will not be a part of it. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like, damn. Yeah, so you got to give him for the balls, but. Uh, it, well, at least it, that's one confirmation
1: yeah. we have about Indy 5.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and uh, the, the Soviet psychological warfare that they try was very out of place and weird. Movies very just... All over the place. Yeah. It's too much. And the script isn't as tight. Like, the... It felt like they were trying... Because, like, in the other movies... They know the thing they're looking for, Mm -hmm. but it's written in that they have a piece they have to find before finding the thing. Yeah. Well, in this movie, they're like, oh, let's find the thing. It's not here, but here's a clue. Let's find the thing. It's not here, but here's a clue. And it's
1: like, no, damn it. It's so annoying. Even if they were to do that, they would have to have some sort of like uh, feeling like, oh, here's another clue, but here's a very important piece of the movie that you need to know. Oh, here's another clue, but here's also something else that's really cool about a character that you don't know yet, but like... Like yeah. if they did we're, we're, something we're, rewarding yeah. like that.
0: Where like for Last Crusade, for example, it mm-hmm. happens in Raiders and Temple too, but for Last Crusade, there's a sequence where, um, they have part of a stone tablet that like so big goal, find the holy grail. Mm-hmm. Little goal, find the rest of this tablet, because we can't find the grail without this tablet. Yeah. So when they go to find the tablet, they find the knight shield that has the inscription. So it's like, oh, they found the thing they were searching for. They didn't go and find a piece of paper that says, haha, it's not here, but you'll find it over here and then they go and, they go and, and there, waste like, more hey, time. This yeah. night
1: shield has this logo. Yeah. But like it's yeah.
0: they naturally do it better because they have an overall goal and a little goal mm-hmm. rather than just being tugged around the whole movie, like yeah. this one. Uh, not, uh, not, not a very good movie. No, it's, it's really, really heartbreaking. Not. Cause the original three is one of the best trilogies of all time, but then they made the fourth one. Although I'm looking forward to see what James Mangold does with number five.
1: If he's stay, if, if he stays attached, if it here.
0: happens, Harrison Ford's also 80. So I'm really <laughs> like, what is this movie going to be? You
1: know, yeah. I'm, I'm
0: really curious about it.
1: We'll see. But one thing I did want to touch back on is Like, I'm a firm believer in that practical effects look much better and pulls you into the movie better than CG. CG. Which CG is necessary when it's needed. But, like, for example, whenever Shia LaBeouf is swinging on the ropes, it pulls me right out of the movie. Or when he's, like, like,
0: standing in between the two cars and, like, the weeds. are Yeah, hitting him. Like, it it just
1: takes me out of the movie. Now, if they were actually to do that Mm -hmm. and, like, have a stunt double, but, like, Put Shia LaBeouf's face on him Then I'd be like oh my god like that feels real Or even
0: use CG just to enhance scenes Because even like they didn't have CG at the time But the original trilogy has special effects Mm -hmm. But they used it to just like enhance something And it's for a second it's quick It's not you know the most of it's practical That was part of the magic of those movies
1: Exactly and then going back to Last Crusade Like with the whole tank thing that's a real rock And a real turret that he's on And he could get crushed which obviously He's not going to Yeah, um, But it's just the fact that it is real.
0: There's a stunt where he's on a horse and jumps from the horse to the tank. Yeah, you know, maybe they were going 20 miles an hour, but, but still, still, yeah. yeah. It's, it's just, the fact yeah. of the
1: matter that they practically did it, which yeah. brings you into the movie better than this CGI mess. Yeah. Of so, a movie. Uh,
0: what are you? What are you gonna rate each movie in this franchise? Oh,
1: God. So, I would want to say Raiders of the Lost Ark five stars out of five fantastic movie don't really have any negatives that i could think of and probably will never have a negative about mm. it uh so do you want me to do Do you want me to rank them from worst to best no just, or just in order okay yeah. uh then so rank them at the end okay uh so temple of doom i'd have to say uh three and a half stars i think it's enjoyable it's scary it's dark as hell i'm glad that they took the different approach to it uh last crusade probably three and a half stars as well and kingdom of the crystal skull probably one star and that's just me being generous cuz i know star. yeah it's it's horrible i don't like it mm-hmm. um and then from worst to best obviously kingdom of the crystal skull is down here mm-hmm. then we have temple of doom follow or uh in front of that is um last crusade what, yeah last crusade thank you and then obviously raiders being the best yeah what uh, my, about you? My
0: ranking is the same as yours. Like, okay. the, the worst to best ranking. But uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark gets an A+. Okay. Obviously. Naturally. Love it. Uh, to me, it's it's my second favorite Spielberg movie. So Okay. Oh, wow. Like, Jaws and then Raiders. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, Temple of Doom gets an A-. Mm-hmm. It would have gotten a higher grade if Kate Capshaw wasn't in it. Like, that's how <laughs> annoying she is. Um, Last Crusade gets an A. Uh-huh. And Kingdom of Crystal Skull gets a C-. minus. Wow. Very generous with that grade. Just because the opening scene, it, I legit felt like I was watching Indiana Jones. And then it just slowly minutes, gets worse. And then there are some like eh, here and there moments like, oh. Yeah. But then overall, it's pretty, it's not good. It's pretty bad. Pretty, pretty bad. But, uh, but yeah, but I ranked them last, Kingdom, then Temple of Doom, Last Crusade, Raiders. But it's like this is the bottom this is not the top kingdom temple last crusade
1: raiders yeah so there's a giant gap. giant
0: gap uh but yeah oh there was actually one thing that hannah wanted to add about indiana jones if that's cool with you
1: yeah absolutely
0: hannah there was that one thing you wanted to say about indiana jones
1: Uh, I'd just like to say that Harrison Ford is hot as hell in every movie and I'm obsessed with him. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> no arguments. Yeah. That is a very, very, very beautiful man. Yeah, especially Temple of Doom. Good stuff. He good sure stuff. listened to a lot of it. Yeah.
0: But yeah, no, I just figured that would be a good perspective to throw in there. Yeah. Uh but yeah, um I think that'll pretty much do it for today's show. That's yeah. it for franchise spotlight at least anyway. Uh Ryan, do you have anything else you want to add?
1: Yeah, so uh I mean If you guys are interested in doing this, if not, we'll find ways around it. But obviously, if you guys want to give us suggestions for movies, classic movies you want us to watch that meet those requirements or franchises you want us to watch Mm -hmm. or just any movie or hot takes or you want to see our opinions on anything, please, 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 please leave comments. Uh, on youtube that we can see that or if you see our posts on facebook go ahead and comment any opinion that you may want us to tackle uh and we'll go ahead and tackle that like any suggestion at all we'll absolutely take a look at Mm -hmm. um but Mm -hmm. if not we'll find movies we'll find opinions and present them the way we have been doing
0: and where can they find us online ryan
1: yeah absolutely so on youtube youtube slash c slash movie nights on facebook movie Knights, and twitter and instagram movie underscore nights nights underscore movie nights underscore right it's backwards yeah yeah sorry
0: no it's okay uh but yeah that's gonna really wrap up today's episode of the podcast thank you guys so much for watching and um if you'd rather watch them in clip formats, uh, just stay tuned throughout the week. We will post them in segments. Uh, the classic movie reviews and franchise spotlights will be clipped out. But the hot takes in the movie news stay as part of the original show. G- gotta gotta keep something. Yeah, exactly. And uh, but again, thank you guys so much for watching. Please follow us on all of our social medias and uh, we'll see you next time.
1: Bye-bye.